This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So I'm going to try something, Matthew. Is that okay? You well, go not right, right now. Later on. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to try. As, as you know, we, we play a very specific genre of music on Inside Sports in general. Uh, some people like it. I'm sure some people don't. But I, I like it. So I guess it's one of those vanity things I get to do. I get to pick the music on the show. Uh, but we play a lot of guitar rock. And uh, sometimes people ask what a song is or they say they like that song or they say, oh, I used to listen to that song when I was in the 80s. I mean, assuming... You know, people around my age. Or we play newer stuff too. We play a lot of guitar stuff, which I think I think fits with a sports show. I mean, we're not we're not going to start playing Britney Spears ballads anytime soon. Probably next commercial break. Now that I brought it up, you're going to find one. But anyway, uh, so would it be possible? I, I I think I was talking about this a couple weeks ago. I think maybe I'll try it when I go home tonight. Would it be possible? For me to create a playlist of some of the, the songs we use that people seem to like on iTunes and then somehow share it just where anybody could access it. Can you do that through iTunes or Apple Music? That is a great question. I know you can create your own playlists. I don't which, know if you can share which it. Which I've done. That's the thing, right? Like, I guess you could put a list out there, I guess, somehow, maybe, to the listeners or well, whatever. You can, right? I'm pretty but, sure you can share playlists. I'm just not sure if I could take the link and, like, I, I'd want to tweet it out. And just say, hey, if you, if you like some of the songs on Inside Sports or you're curious about them, here here's a playlist. The best of Inside Sports music. I like that. Yeah. Well, it'd be free. Yeah. I, would, I guess it would be free. Apple's not taking any money for it. Nope. I don't know. I'll try it. I'll, maybe I'll try it when I get home tonight, if I remember. I'm often Sounds very like forgetful. a great thing. Because, you know, we play some great music on this show. I mean, you think about this. I was born in 86, and a lot of the music that I listen to is the music that we play on this show. So it's great for me, too, right? I'm like, oh, I love this song. I can pick this song and go bang, bang, and just go with it, right? So you and me have some of the same musical tastes, Reed. Let's put it that way. I've seen Def Leppard twice, both times amazing. Yeah, they're a good band. Amazing band. Uh, I got a text here from uh, the Red Dog who says you can do it on Spotify. Oh. Montreal, by the way, just sealed it with an empty netter. There we go. They're going to win. It's 3-1. They'll stay. Uh, they'll be three points ahead of the Oilers. How about that? Uh, okay, well, maybe I'll try it on Spotify. Is Spotify free? I thought you had to pay for Spotify. Well, I pay for Apple Music. Not much, but i got to pay a monthly thing. But then I can listen to whatever I want. Spotify is probably the same deal. Okay, well, maybe I'll try Spotify as well. I don't know. All right. We'll see. Uh, 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. On Twitter, you can get me at 
Reed Wilkins, which is R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And if you ever want to send an email, inside sports at 630ched.com. I also want to mention, uh, we've, we've, uh, we had FC Edmonton coach Colin Miller on last week. They play their final regular season game tomorrow on the road. It won't affect their standing. What's going to happen for FC Edmonton is on November 5th, they play at the Indy 11 in a league semifinal. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. Uh, or, sorry, what's going to happen is they're going to have a, a Winter City footy fest. 1 o'clock on November 5th. So they're going to have uh, a bit of a rally for the team in Churchill Square. They're going to show the match live on a on what apparently what is North America's largest mobile screen. They'll have other activities before, during, and after the match. A family fun zone, a beer garden, live local music, and food trucks and FC Edmonton player appearances, obviously guys who aren't playing in the game. So that's all coming up on November 5th, Churchill Square, to help support FC Edmonton as uh, they go for the championship. So there you go. That'll be a lot of fun. Eskimos tomorrow, Oilers tomorrow. So here's here's the Oilers stuff I wanted to get to with the shots on goal, Matthew. Uh, so they're 6-1. and one. They play 6 of their next 7 on the road, by the way, 9 of their next 12 away from home. The Oilers are being outshot. Now, last year, I believe it was 30.8 shots per game last year against about 31. And now, here are some of the things that, that might make you worry. I mean, they're not going to keep winning six out of every seven. The Oilers have an outstanding shooting percentage right now. 13.4% of their shots are going in. I'll try, I'll try not to do too much with the numbers, but I need to talk about it to, to set up the clip here from McCollum. They're shooting at 13.4%. First in the NHL. A league average right now, 9.99, so 10%. So they're a bit above that. The team save percentage, uh, uh, 9.927. That's fifth. The league average is 9.04. So they're way above in terms of save percentage. So fair enough, those might even out a little bit. but But again, they're not winning every game by a goal. So they could still score a goal a game less and maybe be okay. Um, but the Oilers are being outshot by about four and a half shots a game. They are giving up 33.4 shots per game, which coming into tonight was third most in the NHL and obviously a couple more shots per game than last year. So there, there's something that's that's a little bit concerning. So I asked Todd McClellan today, you know, how do you how do you weigh that the the shots against? In my opinion, we're still giving up too many shots. Um, you know, it's catch twenty two because I I'd like us to be a volume shooting team, which means you get some from bad angles, from uh, really non scoring areas, but it keeps the other team on its toes. And I think we've been giving up some of those perimeter shots. Um, we've also given up um, you know a lot of shots on our penalty kill, which um, has to get better in certain areas. A lot of shots attempts off face-off losses which uh, is an area of concern so I think there's three or four areas that we can tighten up and and bring that shot total down all right so that's McClellan they're very specific about why the shots are happening he says they're giving up a, a lot of perimeter shots which necessarily isn't a bad thing if they're low scoring opportunities but they're an indication that the puck is getting to your net and sometimes they lead to rebound goals or crash the net goals he says they're giving up a little too many shots on the power play and on face-off losses. And the Oilers haven't been a great face-off team this year, and, and they're losing too many face-offs on the penalty kill. So there are some specific areas when it comes to the shots that I think we can watch. Because I personally, I don't think 
the Oilers are, I mean, sure, they get hemmed in, and sometimes they hem the other team in. I don't think they're getting hemmed into their own zone at an alarming rate, and I don't think they're giving up a lot of scoring chances from point A, you know, right in the slot between the hash marks. Um, but there are some there are some areas they need to improve so the quantity of shots is cut down. And, and McClellan just explained them. And, and, and he's right. I mean, when he was with San Jose, they scored a lot of what I call feeding frenzy-type goals, which is appropriate for a team named the Sharks. Get the puck to the net from somewhere, get people after it, keep it alive, bang away. The Oilers actually haven't scored a lot of those this year. The Everly goal in Calgary... Uh, on the power play, it, well, that might even be the only one. They're still scoring a lot off the rush. So they want to do more of that and have less of that against them and give up a, uh, less shots on the penalty kill and, and win more face-offs. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's that... I mean, the Oilers seem pretty in control when they're defending for the most part. I don't think that's as huge a problem as other years. Um, but losing face-offs probably still taking a few too many penalties so that's how i look at that so we'll watch those shots as we move along uh 33.4 shots for for the oilers 28.9 pardon me 33.4 against 28.94 which coming into tonight you know pretty average 18th in the league steven says hey reed i hope the oilers are not going to be like colorado a couple of years ago when they were one of the top teams in the league haven't made the playoffs since i hope that the oilers have changed for the long run well that's fair and i mean sometimes teams have peak years where unusual things happen probably the uh flames from a couple of years ago would be an example where they had a lights out uh, uh save percentage and then the goaltending dropped off last year i mean there's and, and there's nothing wrong with i mean good teams are going to have above average results right it's not like saying well the Oilers are shooting 13.4 percent so of course they're going to come down to the league average well no if you have good players and you keep playing well you'll stay above the league average um and there's going to be turnover with this team i mean somebody's going to go in the expansion draft could that be Pouliot could that be Fane um will they be able to keep both Everly and Nugent Hopkins at six million dollars a year once Drysdale and McDavid have to make more money all fair points I think they're going to stick obviously with Talbot long term clearly McDavid and Drysdale and Nurse are here long term Secker is here for a while Larson and Clefbaum are here for a while so hopefully there are some pieces here that are going to be the the guys that they're building around and then we see how the year-to-year variation comes in. But fair, fair point. I mean, if it's you hope it's a great year, and then you hope it sustains itself. Absolutely. Uh, Jordy says, uh, "I am one of your ten fans. Love the show. Keep her going. All right, great. Well, I thought we had fourteen fans. Apparently, it's down to ten. But they're passionate, Matthew. That's what matters." <laughs> Uh, this texter says, uh, Reed, the problem with your choice of guitar is that it's not, is that it's trash guitar. Def Leppard is not great guitar. Most heavy metal is not great guitar. A bit of finesse, please. All right. Well, sorry you don't like the music. Uh, Big Jack says, Reed, help me understand long-term injured reserve. 
Does Ference have anything to do with the Oilers? Does he darken the halls of Rogers Place, or is he in California playing golf for millions this year? Uh, he's not around the team. I don't. I don't think he's in California. He. I know he still does some appearances. I think in the community, but no, Ference is not around the team on a day-to-day basis. All right, you can text 636-3780-496-0063. A little more of your feedback, a couple Eskimos clips too, and we'll update the scoreboard. You're listening to 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. It's 8:21. This texter says, "How long has it been since a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup?" 1993. Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the texter also says, "What two Canadian teams have a shot at it?" Well, okay. I think the Canadians obviously have a legitimate chance. They got a great goalie. The Oilers are currently the second best Canadian team. Uh, I'm not quite ready to declare them uh, a Montreal. <laughs> I'm not declaring a Montreal-Edmonton Stanley Cup final. All the teams were out of the playoffs last year, so they all, in theory, they all have a long way to go, though Montreal was good the year before that, and they didn't have price last year. Uh, Night Froggy, oh, there's a great handle. Night Froggy says, uh, oh, no, sorry. Well, that's from Rob. I don't know why that came up. Anyway, may love the handle he used before. Sorry, Rob, if I just outed you as an actual frog. Maybe that's his superhero name. He's probably mad now. Uh, Rob says, Reed, I was wondering if the Oilers put the Stanley Cups back in the dressing room, thought that was a bad move to remove them. Uh, yeah, when did they take them out? They were there last year in, when you walked in, right? And they're there when you walk in this year as well, and then you can go either left or right and go around into the room. Did they ever take the cups out of the dressing room? I don't, I don't think, think they, they did. did. But they took out a bunch of other stuff, I think, that symbolized old stuff from the, from the hockey team, I think. Uh, Especially when Dallas Aikens came in. I know yeah, they, they, they took, took down a bunch some of, stuff. of the pictures and stuff. They never, they, never, uh, they, you know, they never moved those cups out of there. Unless he's talking about, maybe he's talking about something else and I'm missing it. And they have some replica Stanley Cups in that Hall of Fame room as well that's visible from 104th Avenue. But yes, the Stanley Cups. Now that door is in the, in the Hall of Fame, right? The door with all the stickers on it—that's not in the dressing room. That's in—that's in the Hall of Fame. But no, the actual replica cups are. Well, there's several replica cups around there. Uh, where's the text I wanted to read here? With the expansion draft, how many picks does Las Vegas get? Can they pick more than one player on a team? No, each team's going to lose one player. You can't, you can't, so they couldn't get three guys off whatever. Uh, Jeremy says, did Aikens take the cups out? I don't remember them ever being gone from the walkway there. Do you, do you remember that, Matthew? I, unless I was totally out of it. I mean, you walk down the dressing room, the hallway to the dressing room, past the stick racks, yeah. and that's where they had the cups. Yeah, I always remember the cups being there, especially when the door opened for the orders and warm-ups and stuff like that. So I don't remember them taking the cups out. Like I said, they took pictures out. They took other they stuff. Took, that, But then they brought yeah. some stuff back yeah. in. He repainted it and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. Anyway, uh, they, they are there in the new building, so that's that's... All you need to know, I guess, for now. Um, 
This texture says, greetings from Penticton. I don't want to target the coach, but I would like to know if you ever wonder if McClellan can motivate talent through the playoffs. Maybe he has grown too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really ever. I didn't really ever buy that that McClellan was the reason some good Sharks teams didn't win the Stanley Cup. I mean, they were going up against other teams. Sure, they had the choke year against Los Angeles. That they're all the guys involved with that are going to have to wear it. But I don't know. I mean, and plus, this is what we're talking about too with that clip we played from McClellan about accountability and expectations. The uh, The, the players have to be accountable to each other, and they have to motivate themselves. And I, I always go back to what Wally Buono said, winning his coach in the history of the CFL. He always says it's not up to me to motivate the players. They are professionals. They should, ever, they should, they should be able to motivate themselves. So I, I think if you want to question McClellan in San Jose, that's fine, but I don't think you question him from a motivational standpoint. I mean, the, the, they're grown men. I mean... Joe Thornton was how old? 34, 35 when Todd McClellan was coaching him. Is it really up to Todd McClellan to go in and be, all right, Joe, we got a game. We got a game, buddy. I know you've been playing since you were five, but aren't you excited we have a game? I, mean, I don't know. I've, ne- I've never bought that criticism of McClellan. But anyway, uh, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a timeout for the uh, 830 news. Quick look at the scoreboard first. The Montreal Canadiens do get the win. 3-1 the final over the Lightning. The Leafs beat the Panthers 3-2. Penguins over the Islanders 4-2. Coyotes win over the Flyers 5-4. Minnesota shuts out Buffalo 4-zip. The Jets leading the Stars 4-1. Patrick Laine, two goals. He's up to six on the season. Wings and Blues 1-1 late in the third. Still to come, Predators and Kings. And the Blue Jackets play the Sharks. Tennessee leading Jacksonville 33-8. That game is in the third quarter. We'll talk about an awesome book, awesome tribute to the Edmonton Eskimos, the epic legacy book. That's when we get back inside Sports on Chet. Listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Gotta say, this is an uh, incredible book we're going to talk about here Epic Legacy of the Edmonton Eskimos. And I'm joined in studio by Alan Watt from The Green and Gold and Grant Lovig, who is the uh, publisher of the book with Epic Legacies. Grant, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. Thank you. Alan, great to see you as well. How's life? It's good. It's really good. Yeah, we've got, uh, got the Eskimos uh, playing a game tomorrow right here on the Mighty 630 Gen, so everything's good. Looking yeah. for a win. Yeah, fun uh, fun time of the year as we're yeah. getting right into the playoff drive here in the CFL. First of all, thanks for coming in, and, and thanks for doing all the heavy lifting because it was <laughs> you guys that carried the Eskimos epic legacy book into the studio. <laughs> Literally, heavy lifting. <laughs> wow, this this uh, this is it's, it's an absolutely incredible book. There's so much I want to find out about it, but Grant, I'll, I'll start with a, a pretty basic 
basic question, and this is usually one I ask whenever whenever there's a, a, a publisher or an author that I'm interviewing. The idea for this, I mean, how how did this get rolling? Um, because and to me, it's not just a, a, a book about the Edmonton Eskimos. Like this is a grand project that that really covers almost everything you can imagine about the team. Well, it sure does. Now, the idea came to me from a contact actually in Australia. And this is someone I knew back when I was president of Companies Coming Publishing, where my mother and I, Jean Perry, published cookbooks. Did that for 30 years, thought that uh, I was going to stay clean, but I'm back in it again. (laughs) This concept in Australia was there's a publisher there out of Melbourne that does uh, similar types of books, history books, for the Aussie Rules football teams. So when my buddy called me from there, I said, I don't know. Look, you know what? We just sold the cookbook publishing company a while ago. I'm not so sure I want to be back in it again. He says, wait till you see what these guys have done. It might inspire you. And that's exactly what happened. When I saw the concept, it inspired me to do it here in North America. Alan, I mean, we're just flipping through it here. And I was... I was barely a few pages in when I was already stunned by some of the the photographs and how far back you have these in, incredible pictures. I mean, it must have been, as for you, somebody, you know, working for the Eskimos and so passionate about them, it must have been an incredible journey for you as well. It was, you know. It, it, there's two things about it uh, on that point that, that Terry Jones wrote it, of course, and he had most of this in his hip pocket, probably had 40% of it written, and he's got another... 140% that could be in the book and the book you know maybe that's maybe that's the next edition and then on the on the photo and archive part of it thank and I have said this before but one of the things the Eskimos and their fans and their followers have been fortunate to have is the same ownership structure from day one we haven't been sold to an individual over the years it hasn't been a whole it's always been a board of directors it's always been a community owned team since 1948 when it was an idea and since they started playing in 49 that meant that somebody could say let's keep track of the newspaper clippings let's keep track of program articles let's keep track of stat sheets let's keep track and they did and then luckily for us a, a friend of ours yours and, and ours dave jameson had the foresight to uh, to gather all that stuff together and take it over to edmonton archives and it exists in there anybody can actually go in and see it it's all been properly archived it's been cataloged you could go in and say 1954 edmonton eskimos do you have newspaper articles they would take you they would actually go get the book bring it out and show it to you so we were fortunate i think grant to uh, to be able to go have access to that and then to be able to digitize it and get these quality they're they're what you've seen it i guarantee you the minute somebody sees it they either flip through it they want to slow down they want to go page by page or they want to buy it and take it home and do that yeah and it doesn't matter how old they are whether they're six 16 or 60 just for either one of you that wants to answer this uh i mean sports fans love stats they love looking back on old seasons and old schedules and no that was the year they did this that was the year this guy had this many passing yards or whatever but what i like about this is you certainly get a sense of that but it 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 takes you so much deeper into the history that it's not just oh this year they won this many games and finished it like it's it's so in depth it's it's a documentary film in the form of a book 
Yeah, one example of that are the letters that we've uh, tucked into little pockets that we invented, actually, on the pages. We contacted players and we said, you know, we've got the scores. We know how the game's turned out, but can you tell us something from behind the scenes? What took place out there in the field? What haven't we heard? Well, we had some remarkable stories. So those are on in the form of letters. Again, they're tucked into pockets, so it's meant to be an interactive read. When you go through it, you can pull these letters out and various other inserts and get a better understanding of just what was going on at the time. It's a great question you asked, and, and to further that, for example, in Dan Kepley's letter, he tells about his first day when there was a guy came up to him wearing a T-shirt, boxer shorts, and cowboy boots, and he had a cup that he was spitting into, and he had a wad of chewing tobacco, and he stuck his hand out and said, I'm Tom Wilkinson, I'm your quarterback, and Kepley's in this letter said, I guess we're going to play a lot of defense then, <laughs> and so there's those kinds of things in there. There's, you know, stories about Eskimo players who were wrestlers, Gene Kaniski. And, uh, you know, the story of them get pay, playing for the Eskimos for $450. Uh, $400 paid their University of Alberta tuition, and $50 was left over for beer. And they were fine with that. And so things haven't changed a lot, really. Yeah, exactly. As long as you got a little bit left over for beer, right? Grant Loving from Epic Legacies joining us, and Alan Watt from the Edmonton Eskimos here. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about where people can, uh, how they can get it, and where they can get it signed this weekend as well. But, I mean, in terms of that's having Terry write it obviously incredible nobody better but the the player participation grant are there um i mean obviously some retired guys participated did you have any guys still in the cfl who were able to contribute or who might still be eskimos like is it, it's right up to 2015 2016 well it is it's up it's really the in, highlights of the entire history of the edmonton eskimos so <clears throat> from not just the modern era but uh, you know the the team was called the edmonton eskimos on and off for well before 49 and uh, we chronicle that in the book as well. So there, it is, because it's a historical record, it's not so much on the current team, uh, it, but it, it leads up to the current team. And uh, we've even included autograph cards, uh, blank cards in the inside front cover pocket, so you can get autographs from the current team and future teams as well and, and keep your book up to date. But even like Ricky Ray, there's a there's a Ricky uh, letter in there, isn't there? Well, there is. So even guys that that's like guys that are still still playing well, I, or said, yeah, called, willing uh, to be a part of it. I called Ricky when he was getting off the practice field in Toronto, and somebody suggested, well, gosh, you know, I don't know if he'd be too interested in, in contributing to a book on the Eskimos, and we thought. Sure he will. I mean, he had a great time here. He had a great impact on the club. Well, I called him, and he's puffing, and he's talking into a cell phone, and he told me all these stories that uh, were related that day, and they're now in that letter that's uh, in the book. Yeah. Jason Tucker, same thing. You know, he was coaching in the NFL. Yeah. Took time to craft something and send it. So, it, like you say, you, you can go back to leather helmets, or no helmets, and go right up to... Uh, Dwayne Mandrusiak talking about being equipment manager for 47, 40, more, more than 45 years. It's amazing. So it is available online, and we'll give this out a few times here throughout the interview, but it's esks.epiclegacies.com. It is available now, right, for immediate yes, shipping. Yes, it is immediate shipping. And there is a, a little holiday is, uh, called Christmas now, <laughs> less than two months away, right? So oh, it's yes. uh, for the Eskimo fan. Oh, there's a picture of Brian Hall. You had to flip to that one, eh, Alan? <laughs> He looks great. It's a close-up of his hair. <laughs> he does look, He looks. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, and I've 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 been doing this for a long time, and I remember in Vancouver, a fellow by the name of Jim Taylor, another brilliant writer, and he said, 
you guys at Edmonton can say whatever you like about Brian Hall, but there's not a city with a professional football or a hockey team in Canada that wouldn't love to have Brian Hall working in their city because he gets it right most of the time, and he, he and he stays on it, and he's the biggest promoter of what's good about your city and your teams. Yeah. And and so that, that's why he's in this book. And yeah. if he doesn't get it right, he'll tell you that he did. That's my experience. But uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy. He's a great broadcaster. Yeah, he is, of course. Um, look, as, 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 you, as you two gentlemen were involved in this, what maybe most surprised you about about putting this together whether it was something you found or or just i, I don't know i mean i'll kind of leave that open-ended but but grant there must have been some um exciting revelations along the way well it started off uh, it was going to be an archival type of a production so in other words uh, well here's what i was thinking is that we were going to have probably three or four contributing writers and these people would do a lot of research and they would each write a part of the book and it would all come together under an editor and it would be probably quite dry it was really the conclusion so when i was uh, when i wanted to chat with uh, terry jones and and just to explain why when i met with alan and with len rhodes at the eskimo office one year ago now I, when we agreed that, yes, this book should be done, I said, and who should write it? And without hesitation, Len Rhodes said, Terry Jones. And I said, okay, well, then he's at the top of the list. I'll chat with him. So I, I gave Terry a call, and it was kind of funny because Terry was thinking, he confided to me later, he said, I, I thought you wanted sports guy recipes or something for companies <laughs> coming, you know. And I said, recipes? No, no, I've moved on. Anyway, so we, we met. And I told him the concept. I said, Terry, I'd like you to be a contributing writer to this book. And I, I kind of, I showed him, you know, kind of what it was going to look like and gave him a, an idea of the heft of it. Uh, the book weighs 10 pounds, right? So I said, this is going to be a massive volume. And he sat there across the table from me in the Starbucks coffee shop. And he said, no, I'm your man. I said, great, thank you. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, I'm not a contributing writer. This is my baby. I'm writing this book. And I said, well, well, why would you want to do that? And he says, this will be the capstone in my career. And he says, look, I'm not quitting. I'm not retiring. I'm just telling you, this is going to be the biggest thing I've ever done, and I want this with my name on it. And looked at him for a long moment and said, you're on. Because I knew that we would get a story, and a story is what matters. So this is a great story from beginning to end. Can you guys stick around? Because i got a few more questions, and obviously we would want to let you know where you can uh, meet Terry and some Eskimo alumni and get some autographs uh, all coming up this weekend. In studio with Grant Lovig from Epic Legacies and Alan Watt from the Edmonton Eskimos, we're talking about the incredible book, Epic Legacy of the Edmonton Eskimos, here on 630 Chad. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Hope you're having a great night inside sports on 630 Chad. Tomorrow on this station, big doubleheader. We'll start at 3.30 with our Eskimos pregame show. 5 o'clock, Eskimos at Hamilton. As soon as that ends, we'll go to the play-by-play for the Oilers and Canucks. That game faces off at 8, and then Rob Brown and I will have overtime open line after the Oilers game. So, full day of sports tomorrow. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined in studio by Grant Lovig, the president and CEO of Epic Legacies, and Alan Watt from the Edmonton Eskimos, and we are featuring this in uh, incredible Epic Legacy book, the uh, Epic Legacy of the uh, Edmonton Eskimos. All right, and we should let people know 
Uh, Grant, we got the book signing uh, right on White Ave. What's going on there? The book signing's on Saturday from 12 noon until 2 p.m., so 12 till 2 at Artisan Resto Cafe, and that's at uh, 107th Street and White Avenue. And what's happening there is Terry is going to be there, Terry Jones, and he'll be autographing books. We'll also have books for sale. And uh, for, but we're encouraging people who have received their book already because uh, we're delivering directly to homes. Uh, if they would bring their book in, get it autographed, and we're also going to have some alumni members there from the Eskimo team. All right, so uh, Blake Dermott, who works with us, obviously, Hector Pothier, Eric Upton, and Larry Rock. So uh, all interesting guys to talk to, and Terry will be the safest guy, I guess, with uh, <laughs> with. <laughs> <laughs> some of those old linemen and linebackers yeah. protecting him. Yeah. Um, it, Alan, it's 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 remarkable. I mean, everybody has. Um, I don't I don't know I don't know if I want to say a favorite era of the Eskimos, yeah. but everybody has those memories that that stand out. Certainly, the late seventies into the eighties were great for our more seasoned fans. They can go back to other other dynasties, but it, it's remarkable. I mean, this doesn't just start in the 50s. I mean, this goes oh, back to the early, early it, days. It touches all. I think it really does a good job of touching all the bases. There's something in here for a friend of mine uh, who's from my era, took it, bought it, took it home and plunked it down. And his son, who's, I think, 23 or 24 years old, started flipping through and was just fascinated by it. And so I, my point being that uh, to think that uh, a 24-year-old, if it's not on a digital platform or a phone or, or uh, an, I, an iPad, he's not interested in it, it is wrong. Uh, there's something in this for them. He was, he was absolutely taken back by it. And, and then, you know, when you talk about eras, this, this is a football club in Edmonton, in our city, that's had two premiers, a lieutenant governor, and a mayor all play for it. And I don't think there's a, I can't think of a team in professional sport that can that can brag about that. And uh, and then it it goes between, you know, I mean, I, there are probably seven million people out there that'll tell you they sat in the knothole gang at at Clark Clark Stadium, <laughs> even though it only held about three hundred. But that's, I think that's the magic of old Clark Stadium, and the people get all misty eyed thinking about it. And then it takes you through to Commonwealth Stadium, which was really in 78 when we got Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. That's when the city took another step to grow up and of course the Eskimos were a big part of that and they got and they were a really good team at the time so uh, it touches everything from Gizmo Williams back to uh, well, I think 1898 is one of the oldest 1892, 1892. that's the oldest picture <laughs> there goodness. the Edmonton okay. Football Club in 1892 with trees behind them and we were chatting before coming on air about and somebody saying well look at that they took them out into the countryside to take that picture look at all the trees in the background I said are you kidding check the date that's Jasper Avenue <laughs> That's, that's a amazing. picture of Christopher Columbus and Tom Wilkinson yeah. in the same team picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, it celebrates some of the bigger moments and some of the bigger stars. There's a you know feature on each great cup and uh, right up on uh, all the individuals who are on the Wall of Honor. And uh, Norby Kwong, Norby uh, yes, players, absolutely. you know, uh, unfortunately, who, who passed away earlier this year. But yes, and that was very unfortunate because Normie was a great contributor to the book. Actually, we uh, made a little road trip down to Calgary and uh, spent a few hours with Normie and uh, his wife Mary. And uh, I know Normie's son Greg, and that's how we we managed the uh, the intro. Uh, when I was down there. 
you know, it, it was just so good because uh, Normie had so much memorabilia. So we photographed everything that we we took things off the walls. We we even we even photographed his old football shoes with the cle- his old cleats that he wore in the 1950s. And we noticed that they were remarkable. The leather was still supple, just as if they were new. And they had fiberglass cleats on them. Not something we expected to see from that era. Unfortunately, Normie passed away before he could see the book. So I contacted his son, Greg, and I said, you know, Greg, the book is just here. Your, your father has just passed away. Uh, would you like to see a copy for the memorial service? And he said, absolutely. If we could have it, that would be fabulous. So sent it down to him. He got back to me, and he said that the family was deeply touched by you know, the, the prominence that, that Normie Kwong received in the book, and, and deservedly so. And for me as the publisher, boy, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, when you, when you can make that, that sort of an impression with people and, you know, take them for a trip down memory lane, it, that's what it's all about. And he, on the other side of that coin is that Normie was a practical joker and a gambler of epic proportions. <laughs> There's stories in here about Jack Parker and Normie and others playing cards all night and half the next day and then going to practice and you can imagine what kind of a practice they must have had he he was a pra- there's a story in here about normie uh, the coach at the time when he cut a player wouldn't call him into his office and got, he'd just clean out his locker so the guy'd come to practice and there'd, there'd be nothing there and that's what he knew and if 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 normie felt playful that day he'd just clean out your locker and hide your stuff and he would do it to very good players you know guys would just be crushed but that's all in here yeah it's all wow i I can't wait to dig into this a a little deeper all right so i mentioned uh esks.epiclegacies.com uh grant is are there any other ways to get this well yes you can also phone us at 780-705-8515 the easiest way is to go online at esks.epiclegacies.com. Uh, it's real slick to place the order right there. All right, and then you, it comes to you, and like I said, it's a great uh, Christmas gift, and it is a limited it is a limited run, right? So you can't want to sit around too long here. You know, we've only printed 2,000 of these, okay. and that's a relatively low number in, in the book world. So when they're gone, they're gone, and you'll have to pick them up on eBay. Uh, each book is individually numbered, and we record the number that goes out to each customer, so we'll know where those books are. And, uh, you know, the whole idea was that it's a keepsake for the for generations of fans to come something i just like to mention is uh, it comes the book comes in a gift box and uh, we were chatting about this before coming on air uh, we have photo reproductions of each of the 12 gray cup rings that the eskimos have earned over the years and they're done in uh, uv plastic coating i call it plastic bubbles so kind of a neat little treatment of the rings and they're on the inside front cover of this gift box so again when you put the books the book into the box uh, the whole package weighs 10 pounds, so it, it's quite a production. It, it really is incredible. Guys, thanks so much for bringing Thank it you. in. I hope I hope Eskimos fans will, will be able to jump all over this. Alan Watt, great to see you. Good to see you. Grant Lovick, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having us, Reed. Much appreciated. Yeah, great stuff. All right, 8.56, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, so tomorrow... 
Oilers now from noon to 2. Well, it may be a delayed start. We'll have the uh, Jim Prentice funeral live coverage starting at, at 11. Uh, 3.30, we're on with the Eskimos pregame show. Game against Hamilton kicks off at 5. Right as soon as that ends, we'll go to the Oilers and the Canucks in Vancouver, and then Rob and I will have overtime open line after that. It'll be a fun Friday. Producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. Studio producer tonight, Matthew Panashik. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great uh, to hear from everybody who called and texted. I will talk to you tomorrow night. It never seems to end. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.